Hi, everyone. Welcome to Head to Total, your favorite podcast that pulls back the curtain on all things medical. Today, our special guest is Dr. Depali Darji. Welcome, Dr. Depali Darji. Thank you so much for having me, Colleen. Hey, Depali, there are so many things that we want to cover today. And I first thing I want to cover is you are a fellowship-trained podiatrist. Now, can you let the audience know why people should be looking for a fellowship-trained physician, and in your case, podiatrist? That's a very good question, Colleen. So in our world of podiatry, you know, we are very similar to medical school. We do four years of schooling. And then after we do residency and all podiatry residency is a three-year foot and rare foot surgical residency. After that, there is an opportunity to continue extra training called fellowship programs, which you do additional reconstruction, specializations in sports medicine, uh, there's different types of fellowships you could do to be certified in that little niche, so to speak, even things like minimally invasive surgery. So the fellowship is an additional year of surgical training for podiatrists in order to gain more tools in the belt to help patients out. It's amazing because when, uh, when I first met you um, and I learned a little bit about your training, I was amazed. And then knowing that you had your fellowship that that is just something now that I, as a patient, look for consistently. So thank you for educating us on that, because most of the time as a patient, you don't understand what to look for in a physician. And podiatry is such a science that I have come to appreciate over the years, because as we all know, if you listen to this podcast, my feet are just a mess. I mean, an absolute mess. Um, we got it, help it, for you, Colleen. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, I could fund your retirement, my friend. Um <laughs> But what, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, I've never been a dancer, which the only reason why my feet are so bad is because I try to stuff them into shoes that really don't fit well. Um, but I was fascinated by you also teach dance in addition to being a podiatrist. <laughs> You're also yeah. teaching dance. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, growing up in the Indian community, my mom was obsessed with the Indian dance culture. So my sister and I, we did an extensive training in an Indian classical dance form, very similar to the American ballet, but the Indian version called Bharatnatya. So our feet had these like constricted bells on them at all times. Imagine a tight tourniquet and then dancing to it, but making the rhythm of the music as well. And so growing up in that dance form, a lot of ankle sprains, a lot of pains and aches, you know, I myself have bunions. And so that's painful. And so that's kind of where my love for like the foot and ankle came in. And um, then I went to school and now I'm podiatrically trained to help other people with their foot and ankle ailments. I know that uh, we were talking the other day to our friends over at the Detroit Skating Club, and they have such an interest of you coming up there to talk to them because they know, they've heard, and they've seen on the website, there's some great pictures of you in your dance outfit, um, and they know all about that history. And ice skaters go through a lot of the same things, correct? 100%. And then the shoe gear that they wear is so important for them to be able to function their spins and their routines. That's even It's even more heightened for some kind of foot and ankle pains. My be best friend was a... Um, an ice skater and she did it competitively as well. So she's always messaging me about some foot and ankle stuff, but I'd be honored to go talk to them and, you know, meet the team and just um, kind of help out and 
have a conversation. And that leads me to, I was always uh, under the understanding that skaters also have a lot of ankle problems and ankle stability. What is the difference? Because a lot of people will say, oh, I broke my ankle or I fractured my ankle. What is the difference between a fracture and a break within the ankle? That's a great question. When you break your ankle, sometimes it can feel like a sprain. You don't really know. It's really the x-ray that tells us that the bone has broken versus a ligament where an MRI is needed to see which ligament is causing this instability. So a lot of the times when patients think they have a minor fall or a tweak or, you know, wore some poor shoe gear that caused a twist and turn that just didn't feel right, it's really getting an assessment about the patient's muscle strength You know, is there any weakness in a certain area of the ankle? Um, Is there any pain to the bone? Does the x-ray show that the bone is intact? If not, we do some further investigation with an MRI to see, are the ligaments intact? If they're not, and the muscle strength shows weakness in any direction, it gives us a little telltale sign that there's some instability and the ligaments need strengthening, almost like a rotator cuff or a knee where you're knitting it back together so it doesn't keep going in the wrong plane. So when you take a walk, you don't feel like you are going to fall again. And can you tell us, Dipali, what what happens in the case of a total ankle replacement? Is that something you also do? And how does it get to that level? Yeah, uh, a lot of fellowship trained podiatrists can be uh, privileged in doing total ankles as well. And it's all patient dependent. Depending on the ankle pain, a lot of the times my patients come in and say, hey, I have ankle pain, but really they don't have ankle pain. They have pain under the joint called the subtalar joint. So it really just depends on when the patient comes in, if they're truly painful at their ankle or joint under that ankle, which we don't talk about that joint much. So nobody knows the name subtalar joint, but usually sometimes that is the pathology. So when they come in, we evaluate them. We evaluate them walking. We evaluate their muscle strength. And then we check, is it really the ankle joint? If it's the ankle joint, the x-ray will tell us if it's end stage arthritis, kind of like a knee. And when there's an end stage knee arthritis, the knee gets replaced just like that. An end staged ankle arthritis gets replaced. The options that in the knee world, we don't really fuse knees, but in the options in the ankle world, it's a three-dimensional motion of that ankle joint. There is an option to fuse that joint sometimes as well, depending on the pathology of the patient, which is another tool that we offer our patients for pain relief, depending on how bad the arthritis is and the deformity. A lot of the times people, you know, have a really severe flat foot or a really severe high arch, and that impacts what their ankle joint looks like. If their ankle joint is not in the correct placement, then the replacement would be hard. They'd have to fix the other deformity for the replacement to even hold. So sometimes there's just a little bit more investigation on knowing exactly where their ankle arthritis comes from. Often you hear of people getting a hip replacement and they need to have it redone or a knee that needs to be redone. Is there like a, a, a lifetime warranty on an ankle or do you have to get that replaced? Is How long does it last? There is a shelf life of total ankles. So it all just depends on the patient, but the ideal candidate from the original guidelines is, you know, an elderly patient with low impact activity that isn't going to continue um, 
affecting the surrounding bone around the total ankle replacement because it does have a shelf life. It does need to maybe get replaced and sometimes needs to be converted into a fusion, which is stiffening of the joint, which sometimes a fusion can get a bad rep compared to a replacement because people like hearing the word motion. But sometimes we have to remember if the motion's already lost, it can't be magically regained, but we can try to save as much motion that's left that's possible. So sometimes it just depends. I think one of the questions I would have if, if I was preparing for this surgery, are you doing these in the hospital? Are you doing these at an ambulatory surgery center? You know, we've, we've talked on Head to Total a lot of times about these ambulatory surgery centers. I love the idea of more personalized attention. Love the idea of going home the same day of my surgery. What's that like when someone comes to you? Do you operate out of uh, ambulatory surgery center? Yes, I operated out of both the ambulatory surgery centers as well as the hospital. Sometimes it can be a little tricky, more insurance dependent. You are allowed to do some of these implants now as an outpatient. It all depends on the patient's comorbidity. The outpatient care is very nice and patients do definitely love that. Sometimes if the patient requires rehab or the insurance requires an extra day of observation, they would be done at a hospital Sunday. What's the recovery time from a total ankle? The recommendation is to start the passive range of motion right away, but the high-impact weight-bearing is not to be started as quick. Sometimes we wait six to eight weeks, so the patient's either in a cast or a boot that they can take off and continue just passively moving their ankle but before that they start high-impact physical therapy at six to 12 weeks. And there's always physical therapy, correct, after a total ankle? Mostly after all surgeries, having physical therapy is key because it gets patients over a little speed bump. You know, they have gotten all the tools. They kind of understand where they want to go back to before they were undergoing surgery. And then sometimes there's just some extra scar tissue, edema control, and tricks and tools that our physical therapists have to be able to get the patient back to that person's activity of daily living. And Dr. Darji, here's here's a question that I get emailed a lot, right? Uh, managing expectations. So I think a lot of people, when you talk to us about a total joint replacement, total ankle replacement, everything, I'm going to wake up, everything's going to be magically better. I'm not going to have any ankle pain. I'm going to be able to walk the mall. I'm going to be able to do it in stilettos. What can you, can you talk to us a little bit about the reality of it that some people may or may not have pain? What's that like? Yeah, surgery can be really difficult to sometimes kind of paint the picture for, right? Surgeries come with risks and complications. So I always ask my patients, have you gotten to the point where you cannot perform your activities of daily living and you're in just so much pain that you can't do the things you like to do? So we talked a lot about a total ankle replacement, but I heard that you also do minimally invasive procedures on the foot, on the ankle. And and I'm glad you admitted to having bunions because as we all know, <clears throat> that's a problem for some of us. Right. What, I, what's this minimally invasive bunion uh, procedure? Great question. Minimally invasive bunion surgery has kind of been around for a lot, but I think what's happened is screws and implants and technology has improved so much to be able to get us the best correction possible. So it all depends on the type of bunion a patient has, but depending on the type of bunion a patient has these days, we have tools to be able to surgically fix the bunion's architecture through 
little tiny keyhole incisions or minimally invasive incisions where we don't need to use a large saw blade. We don't need to use a large plate. You know, we don't need to use um, extensive equipment. And we go in there, we kind of recreate the same surgical steps, but with smaller instruments through cameras and kind of get that same realignment under direct x-ray visualization to correct a, you know, a leaning tower of pizza to being straight again, so to speak. And so at that point, patients have these, instead of a large incision going through their big toe, they end up having four poke holes that are stitched up with maybe one or two stitches, if that. And what we find in the last five to 10 years, minimally invasive surgery has gotten even better with some of the implants and uh, opportunities we have with uh, industries creating reproducible jigs. So each time we utilize it, the correction is quite consistent. It's created an opportunity for the patients to have smaller incisions, better swelling, and sometimes being able to weight bear on it day one. When you have a big incision, that takes two weeks to knit. Whether you continue to put pressure on it, whether you elevate it, it takes a while for it to knit. But when it's tiny, it knits up pretty quickly. So that's been really nice as a surgeon, being able to see a patient, you know, kind of move their toe day one without having all that fluid retention or scar tissue even building up. I think that's huge for patients to know because most of us uh, have been putting off a bunion surgery because we think it's going to always be, you know, oh, I got to wear a boot and I'm not going to be able to drive and I'm not going to, you know, and I can't put weight on it for weeks. And, and, you know, the reputation of a bunion surgery is that it's very painful. Safe to assume that when it's minimally invasive surgery, not as much pain. And obviously the re- recovery time is, is much faster, which is great news for, for those of us. Can you do that on a Taylor's bunion as well? Or it's, it's something completely different? I love that question. Yes, a Taylor's bunion on the pinky toe is exactly like the big toe where you have the opportunity to also do minimally invasive corrections. Um, And a caveat these days, um, patients sometimes, depending on their comorbidities, may be able to tolerate hardware versus no hardware. And sometimes on the Taylor's bunion, we even have an option to correct it without hardware, which is really cool because it gives some of our elderly patients that bony prominence that they're dealing with. We kind of make a minimally invasive correction and let them walk on it. And the bone actually goes to the spot it wants to go to without recurring that pain cycle or that bump again. So we do definitely have some different types of procedures for minimally invasive Taylor's bunion as well. I know you have a long line of patients, so I won't keep you too much longer, okay? But this, awesome. is, this is great stuff. <laughs> I like because this. I like this. I, it's, it's a lot more fun than what you think it's going to be, isn't it? Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're definitely keeping me time. on top of it no, to well, kind I'm, of answer those questions. Hey, this is what people are asking about, you know? I like and that. I know you do it every day, and you do a, a marvelous job. I've seen the reviews for you on oh, Google. Oh, thank you. Um, and, and people can come see you in Livonia, Warren, and I believe you're going to be in West Bloomfield soon. You so, got it. Yeah, in Southeast Michigan, soon. this is the place to be. Um, but I wanted to ask you, when it comes to shoes, right? And I know that you can't make recommendations. And you know what I'm going to tell you, right? I mean, if I could wear a Ferragamos all day, every day I would. But is there a brand of shoe that is a little bit easier on those of us that have some foot issues um, that you talk about with patients? And 
does that change with the seasons? Um, or is there really everybody needs a different brand because everybody's foot is different? Here's a secret, and this is probably going to save a lot of patients some office visits. But the biggest thing is if you take a shoe and if you can bend it in half, it's going to be most likely that the shoe is not doing much of the work and your foot is doing all of the work. And if you take that shoe and you have a really hard time bending in a half, most likely that shoe is doing a lot of the work for you when you're walking in it and your foot is doing a little less of the work. It's taking less of the heat. What I've found is there's many brands that can offer this, but consistently I have found Hoka's offers this more than others. It's consistently gotten different types of shoes that have a stiff, supportive, soul and allows for the natural gait cycle from equally putting load on the heel to the toe. And it's got a little bit of a rocker. So sometimes people have heel pain or big toe pain. It kind of offloads it while they're walking all day long. And I've actually noticed some of the PAs that we work with, they've been using it in surgeries for long cases and they're like, my feet feel great. So it is, it is showing to improve people who've been on their feet for longer too. A lot of the times, you know, custom orthotics in a shoe can make that shoe a little bit better. So sometimes I recommend kind of finding out if custom orthotics are fit for that patient. And sometimes they can be quite pricey. Insurances have a hard time covering them. When you're trying to protect your feet from getting worse, insurance may or may not cover it, which is silly. But at that time, I think over-the-counter options, there are a couple of brands like Superfeet and Power Step kind of do a good job mimicking something that a custom orthotic would do, something that's supportive and stiff. I think the idea today is memory foam feels good, soft feels good, but sometimes it does the opposite effect and, you know, causes more plantar fasciitis and more bone pain and more arthritis rubbing. So sometimes we can control that motion of that foot. You can control some of the pain. Let me ask you this. I, I've heard a lot of people talking about this new trend of adding fillers to the bottom of their uh, front part of their foot and toes so that they can cram them into the stilettos and there's a little bit of padding. Have you heard about people adding fillers, the same fillers you add to your lips, into the bottoms of your feet? I have heard about it, but in a little different manner. So what ends up happening, the, the, the older we, we get, uh, the fat pat on the ball of our feet kind of withers away. It becomes atrophied. So I have seen many podiatric surgeons successfully inject some fat fillers to that area. And sometimes patients avoid surgery because they're not feeling their bony prominence or bunion or... Um, toe pain anymore because now they have that cushion. There is a little bit of a shelf life where it needs to be done quite often because it kind of gets absorbed quickly, things like that. Um, but cosmetically for the heels, I have not heard about that one yet. But definitely for like the fat pad fillers, I have heard about that. I actually have some colleagues doing it in Chicago and they've had great results. They love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I won't keep you and I keep saying that, but this is a fascinating conversation. Well, thank you what so much. When a patient has the privilege to come and see you and they spend time with you and it gets time when, when they're about to walk out the door, what do you tell them is the most important thing they could do for their foot care? Oh, that's such a great question. I think yesterday in clinic, we were actually talking about this. We spent so much time looking at our face 
but our face is not doing much of the work every day. The foot is constantly at work, taking us from point A to point B. So pay a little bit more attention to it. Give it some extra love, you know, check your feet if they're dry and make sure, you know, your shoes are regularly cleaned and sprayed with antifungal spray so it doesn't keep jumping back from the skin to the shoe. You know, maybe do look at uh, custom orthotics to make sure every foot isn't made for every shoe. Every shoe isn't made for every foot, I should say. And so sometimes if you do have pains and aches and you have a high arch foot or a low arch foot, maybe look into getting a shoe that supports you throughout the day. So when you're coming home, your foot really isn't in pain, but it feels great that you can even continue doing your home activities in pain relief. Dr. Darji, here's the thing. Our audience is across the nation and you being in Southeast Michigan, is there a way that people can interact with you? Do you have an Instagram? Do you do telehealth? How can somebody who's not local find you and, and have a good discussion with you about their feet? That's a very good question. I do actually have an Instagram. It's Darji DPM, D-A-R-J-I-D-P-M. I love following patients and a lot of my patients are on there too. So definitely go ahead and follow me on Instagram. Sometimes I post some cool cases too uh, with patient permission, of course. And then telehealth appointments. You know, the great thing at Mendelssohn Kornblum Orthopedics is we offer same day appointments. So if there's anything that's going on and you want to walk in same day, as long as our clinic is open um, at that certain time frame, we offer walk-ins, telehealths, as well as an urgent care orthopedic service. So I definitely urge patients, you know, if they're kind of confused with something happening with their foot, just make an appointment and, and kind of talk to a specialist about it. I've heard a lot of people, you know, they stub a toe and they think it's just a normal toe stub and they go to that orthopedic urgent care. You actually review some of the cases and you could see that it's not a stubbed toe, that toe is dislocated and that's a bigger problem. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely on call 24 seven with some of the physician assistants where they directly contact physicians with whether it's x-rays or physical exams, a patient comes in with a fracture or a patient comes in with severe tendonitis or severe gout and we kind of review it alongside with them remotely and we kind of give them the best treatment plan until they can come see us as a specialist in our clinic, sometimes the very next day or three days to follow. You have just been absolutely amazing, and I can't thank you enough for spending time with us. Dr. Dipali Darji, everybody can look you up and see some great things that you have done. There's a great video. If you haven't seen it, audience, check out Dipali Darji. She is she's an outstanding podiatric physician and uh, just a privilege to talk to you today. I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much, Colleen. This was great. This was a lot of fun. I, I hope to be back soon and talk about some other updated foot and ankle stuff. Oh, we're holding you to that. Thank you awesome. so much. <laughs> Thank you.